Let's get to it. This is Sebi Podcast. We are live from the Sebi Podcast Show. I'm your co-host today, Mike Gray, here hailing from V, along with the anchor host, Sebi, down there in Orlando, Florida. Sebi, how you doing today? I'm doing well, doing well, man. Doing well, Mike. How are you today? Man, I'm doing well. Can't complain. Just got out of class and stuff, man. We got a lot to talk about, man. What a weekend we had. What a weekend of March Madness we had. Sebi, is this not the best time of the year? It is. It is. It's the best time of the year. It's my personal favorite. You know, March Madness. Don't get better than that. There's a couple of things I like, man. There's a lot of couple of sporting events. I like the World Cup in soccer. I like, you know, um, the Olympics and then and then March Madness, you know, so. Definitely, definitely, man. This this weekend did not disappoint. This, it was only the first weekend. So we know we got more. We got more more dynamic, uh, dynamic tournament fun to come. So. So, so definitely talk about that and ahead of these Sweet Sixteen matchups that that we have that we have coming up this Thursday, this Thursday and Friday. What is what are some of the, the key matchups that you're very intrigued about um, coming up? Um, well, first one that stand out to me is uh, two of them. First off, uh, the first one I'm going to go with Gonzaga versus FSU, Florida State. Okay. Um, this is a Florida State team that um they opened my eyes. Obviously, you know I'm a huge John Morant. Um, and, and, and I think he's an incredible talent, um, from an athleticism standpoint, but what separates them because, uh, of being a fantastic player is not only he's a fantastic athlete, but he's got the IQ mm-hmm. and the game. That's crazy. I've obviously we've seen Russell Westbrook. He's got the athleticism and we've seen like the Rondos of the world. They've got the IQ. I don't think the league's ever seen a guy that has a combination of both mm-hmm. that can be extremely dangerous. And what the Florida State Seminoles did was they gave him length. They gave him bodies to throw at him. Six, seven guys, six, six guys, six, eight guys. And that really bothered him going in the paint. And basically what they did is uh, they did the Detroit Pistons in 2004. Right. Um, you know, they, they said, hey, Ja, you're going to get yours early and you're going to get yours baby late. And we're going to key in on all your supporting pieces uh, because they know that Ja is a pass first mentality point guard as great of a score he is. And so what the Seminoles did um, and their depth that really showed up, and obviously they're going to blow out Murray State. You know, Murray State really doesn't have a lot of depth, just right. one man. So um, what I saw from that is this potential matchup with Gonzaga. I believe Gonzaga has the best bigs in the country. Um, they've got Killian uh, Till back. Um, they've got Rui Hachimura. He's a lottery pick. And also Brandon Clark, who had 36 in that second-round matchup. Um against Baylor. So I think they've got the best bigs in the country and Florida State's length and size inside can match up with that. So that's a very interesting matchup in the 4-1 matchup there in the West region. And then another one, you know, I've been really big all year in Houston. Um Houston, mm-hmm. uh big time players. You talk about Corey Davis Jr., you know how I fell in love with them and Armani Brooks. Again, come tournament time, it's all about the guards. You need guard play in order to potentially knock off big teams, especially if you're an underdog. That's when guard play becomes huge because you have the guards that can dictate and orchestrate, 
the offense and dictate tempo, and also the guards that can break down the defense. And Houston has those type of guys. And not only that, uh, P.J. Washington, the star man from Kentucky, may not play in this game. He hasn't played in the first two rounds. Kentucky did look a little bit vulnerable against Wofford. They better be on their A game because this Houston team is, is, is one of the best teams in the country, and they are the best in the nation and opponent's field goal percentage defensively. So they're elite defensively. Uh, that's another interesting matchup, Coach Cal versus Kelvin Sampson and, and the Cougars and the Wildcats. So those are two matchups that I'm definitely keen an eye on. And you make a great point about Kentucky with Walford. If if Wal if if Brandon McGee would have just hit a, hit a couple of the threes that he threw up there, Fletcher then, McGee, yeah. It, it, I mean, Fletcher, Fletcher McGee, if he would have hit a, just a couple of the threes that he knocked that that he that he shot, um, it could have been a different outcome. It could have been a different outcome for Walford, and and they could have pulled that game out. But it was it was definitely. I think the length for Kentucky definitely uh, surprised Walford, and definitely had a lot had a lot to do with that. Uh, the, the 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 other two matchups that I'm I'm really key on. This week, seven, it won one is Auburn, North Carolina. Mm. I mean, you talk about a track meet. That's going to, I mean, we, we talking about up and down, running these. It's some high scoring machines. First one to 80, first one to 85. <laughs> yeah, first one to 85 just might win this ball game, man. And I'm, you, first of all, you're talking about two fiery coaches uh, going back and forth at each other. And you can tell that this is going to be, a, I love me some Jared Harper and Bryce Brown for Auburn. I mean, Bryce Brown can knock down some shots, and, and Jared Harper, he's just a gamer. He gives, he takes whatever the game, whatever, whatever the, he, he takes whatever the defense gives you. And I, I love how they play. But North Carolina has been the most consistent team in the tournament, and they've been the most consistent team all season, in my opinion. And the way that they play basketball together, and they have a very underrated player on their team that could definitely be a lottery pick and Nasir Little. I love watching Nasir Little play basketball. He's athletic. He defends. He, give, he gives Roy Williams everything he has. And the depth of this North Carolina team, along with what Auburn brings to the table, the, the competitive nature that they have on their squad, that can be one of the best games we've seen in the tournaments thus far. So I'm, 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 very, I'm, I'm very key on that matchup now, and I can't wait, can't wait to see what that matchup holds. And another matchup I'm looking at on, uh, on Thursday is Purdue and Tennessee. Mm. Pur- Purdue, Purdue has a brother in the name of Carson Edwards. Oh, my God. That was on fire the other day. I mean, he was absolutely on fire. So he, he, he could barely miss. I, I, I believe he, he hit nine threes. And, and he did. And, and, and it's interesting because a Jay Wright Villanova team, uh, a veteran team, I, I, you would think they would key on an individual like that and not let them beat them and maybe somebody else. But he just put on a show. He put, he, he put on an absolute show, man. And, 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 to, and going against the defending champs, you always – the, the defending champs uh, the, the next year always get the, the opponent's best best shot, opponent's best opportunity. You always want to knock off the champs. So you could tell Purdue was fired up in that game. They they, they controlled it from, from the, the tip-off all the way to the end, and it was it was no contest. Uh, uh, Purdue was just the all-around better team. And in this game right here, Tennessee Tennessee uh, got away with a got away with a almost sleeper, almost they almost blew that twenty-five point lead against against Iowa, and I believe. That that was their wake up call. You know, Auburn got their wake up call the first game with that one point with that one point lead against New Mexico State, and then they come back and they dominate against Kansas. So, right. so you de- you definitely so this may this may be Tennessee's wake up call to, in the tournament. Like, okay, you, you, we got to put teams away. We can't let teams hang around because you see what you see what can happen. So I think this team this game right here can 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 present itself to be one of the one of the top two games, and I'm looking forward to that matchup. Um, with Carson Edwards going against uh, Williams.
Williams for Tennessee and all the, all the uh, the monsters that they have on their team as well. Right. Well, if you're if you're looking for Carson Williams against Grant Williams, I think Rick Barnes in Tennessee would take that matchup against the size, <laughs> unless it's a switch, and then you know Carson Edwards would beat. Yeah, it's not downhill because that's a big and a guard. But yeah, it's, it's not so much. It's not so much a one um, a matchup between them two, but just a matchup between what they're gonna what they each each can bring to the table on the offensive side. Right, you know what right, I mean? right. Because right. we know we know how lethal they are. You know, Grant, Grant Williams was the one that closed that game out in overtime yes, against he did. Iowa. He, you know, what I'm saying so he he knows how to he knows how to take over a game when need be. So it's gonna be interesting. I can't wait to see it. Definitely, Grant Williams, SEC Player of the Year uh, for a reason in Tennessee. Why they're a two seed. Um, no doubt that those two games right there are going to be phenomenal. Are you talking about Carson Edwards? I mean, there's no flaws in this guy's game. I mean, yeah. he can score from anywhere in the court. And, and But I think that Tennessee has the length and the depth. They've been excellent this year defensively. They've got Bowden, Boone, uh, Schofield. They've got bodies to throw at Carson Edwards. And so that's going to be interesting um, uh, in that matchup there. It should be a close one. Um, and, but I want to go back to that North Carolina and Auburn game that you said there. Right. I have a friend down here. He's a huge Tar Heels fan. Um, you know you've got the fiery coaches. Bruce Pearl of Auburn. Oh, and Roy Williams of, of North Carolina Tar Heels. Um, it, it's going to be a track meet. And, and here's the thing. My, my friend said he's scared. He, he he's Of course he's going to take his Tar Heels. He told me that if Auburn are making shots, we're in trouble. Oh, man. That's what he said. He said if Auburn is making shots, you're in trouble. Because when Bryce Brown – and Harper are hitting jump shots and, and from deep. I mean, look out. Auburn can just can be anybody, They not just North Carolina. So that's going to be interesting. Um, the key to this matchup is going to be transition. Both mm-hmm. defense got to get back. Mm-hmm. Both defenses got to get back because if you don't, I mean, even from made baskets, you'll see North Carolina bigs run down the court, whether it's Luke May, uh, uh, whether it's Nasir Little, uh, um, whether it's Williams or, or Cameron Johnson, who's an excellent three-point shooter. Yep. Um, just running the floor off of made baskets. And so I think the key to that for Bruce Pearl's team is if you make a three, Bryce Brown, you better storm in transition. There's no time to put the fingers up for a three-point shot and start chanting to the crowd because right. we will get scored on the opposite side. So uh, that's going to be a fantastic matchup there. I, I want to go back to the first couple rounds. Uh, some of the great matchups we saw there, obviously – my Knights, my UCF Knights and, and the Duke Blue Devils, that might have been the game of the tournament, wouldn't you say, thus far? Hey, um, without question, without question. Without yeah, question. And, and and we saw the headlines was, of course, Taco and, and Zion Williamson. Well, the, actually, it was Aubrey Dawkins, uh, yes. a sharp shooter for, for the Knights that um, took over. I mean, this guy in the middle of the zone, hitting jump shot, tough fadeaways. The coach's son, actually, Johnny Dawkins, who yes. played for Duke. Yes. Duke. Johnny Dawkins used to play for Duke, so he's going against his alma mater and Coach K. And oh, What a great game. And UCF was actually a tip away from advancing to the Sweet 16 and first time in program history. And, and Duke itself, I mean, this has to be alarming to them uh, uh, um, moving on forward against a, a very good Buzz Williams team in Virginia Tech. Yeah, it's a, it's something about that. And not, not only were they a tip away from losing, in my opinion, if Aubrey Dawkins would have secured that alley oop and, and dunked that ball, the yep. game would have. In my opinion, the game was over right then and there, because you forced Duke to shoot threes, and that's one of the things that that's hard for them to do time to time. So that 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 as well. That that it was a couple of big big key points in that game that that could have went either way. But it, you're right, such a great game, and 
and hats off to UCF and Johnny Douglas for playing for playing such great basketball. But Duke, I don't know if Duke should be as surprised as people think they should be because when you I'm come in the tournament, when you come in the tournament as the number one overall seed, and you hear all this Zion talk, this Zion this, RJ Barrett this, RJ Barrett that, you're gonna get every single team's best shot, and Absolutely. and and, and Sevy, you got to come on now. Aubrey Dawkins' draft stock went all the way up on Sunday. Oh, That's yes, it did. it did. It did. It did. It did. I mean, the, did. the way he was playing, he looks almost like a lottery pick. Yes, he does. He I, does. I, he I, he I, does. I, mean, I, I expect him to be in, in the first round somewhere without question. Yep, no doubt, no doubt. Very a coach's son. We won't know if he'll be back for his uh, senior year. But Aubrey Dawkins, I mean, 6'6", he could do anything. I mean, he's got oh, the man. mid-range. He's got the pull-up. He's got the fadeaway game. He's got um, a post-up game. Um, he can come off screens and knock big-time shots. Aubrey Dawkins is good. Uh, they didn't get a lot of from B.J. Taylor. He's been the Knights' right. uh, leading scorer all three seasons here. Um, had a rather pedestrian game. But nevertheless, um, the Knights have to tip their hats and definitely know that to put the basketball program on the map there. Uh, another thing I want to touch on, um, not really a lot of dark horses, a lot of uh, deep team. It's been all chalk except for Oregon. Oregon, um, they've been – Excellent in this last 10 games, you know, running through the Pac-12 and in their first two games um, in the first two rounds. Um, Peyton Pritchard has been great as a point guard. Mm -hmm. And then the depth that that Oregon has. Let Take a listen at this, Mike. Take a listen. At yes. this. In the first two rounds, Oregon as a team is averaging seven blocks mm -hmm. as, a, as a team. Defensively, they can get to it. And that's where Dave Altman and his team – prides themselves in, in, in why they've been instrumental in this 10-game 10, 10 span. Defensively, uh, teams and their length inside, teams have been bothered by the block shot making of their big mans in, in, in Oregon. All of a sudden, I, I think I would give them a puncher's chance against Virginia, especially how Virginia's been looking in the first couple rounds. They, def they, they definitely have a puncher's chance. You, I, I, I feel like any team that can score, that, that can legitimately score, has a puncher's team against Virginia because Virginia relies heavily on their defense, and if they have a bad scoring game, they they can be had against anybody, you know. So so you do you're right. The way Oregon can just go on runs and the way they can knock down three point shots, they definitely have a fighter's chance against UVA, um, because if UVA, if UVA starts missing shots, you're right. You're right. Oregon Oregon will be right in the ball game with them. So yeah, they they have a puncher's chance. I would still take UVA in that game because. DeAndre Hunter is special, and he's on a mission. And this team a lottery pick. Hungry. And and, and, and this, this team seems to be hungry for hungry for uh for, for destiny. So I definitely would pick UVA in that game, but I would not be shocked at all if Oregon was able to pull it out or make it make it a close battle. No doubt, no doubt. And the thing with with with, with Virginia is they slow the pace down. They're not really a fast paced team. They say right. their magic number sixty. Anything, anytime they can hold opponents to sixty and under. I think they have like a crazy stat, 78 yeah. to like one or, or some crazy stuff. So right. um, it's going to be interesting because Oregon doesn't really push the ball like that, but I think it's going to be imperative in this game that they do to get early baskets because you don't want Virginia to set up in their half-court defense in that pack line defense, and then you just get stifled. So definitely interesting to be in that game here. Nevertheless, Mike and I getting ready for all of the Sweet 16 talks and the Elite Eight stuff, marching our way to the Final Four into Minneapolis. Folks, when we come back, Mike will start off and we'll touch upon some NBA action and what's going on in the NBA world in the last week. You're listening to the Sebi Podcast Show.
Streaming only here on WNSC Radio. We're back. We're back live here at the Sebi Podcast Show. Myself, Michael Gray, along with Sebi, down there, down there in Florida. Uh, Sebi, we got a, we got some NBA NBA conversation to talk about. This MVP race between James Harden and Giannis is getting pretty tight, man. You know, like James Harden has been putting on a show. You, I mean, did you see that sixty-one point performance he had against San Antonio? Oh. I mean, the the guy is just unreal, he's, Mike. Um, he, he's he's unreal. I mean, I I say to myself. I haven't seen a more unguardable force like that since Kobe Bryant. I mean, yeah. you you try to game plan everything, and you can't because this man ha- is a juggernaut offensively, and he yeah. has no weakness offensively. And 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 I'll, I'll actually go on a limb here, Mike. I actually go on a limb here. I think James Harden is better than Kobe Bryant in one sense, and here's why. I think he's better than Kobe Bryant as in terms of ball skills because as great as the score Kobe Bryant is, I never – the games that I've watched and evaluated Bryant throughout his career, he never had a handle like James Harden. So James Harden is a combo guard. He could play the one and the two. Not saying Kobe Bryant can't play at a point guard, but as in terms of like being able to be the passer that James Harden is, I'm not so sure that he was. I'm not so sure that um, uh, getting to the free throw line um, and the attempts a game that that Harden is getting, good point. Uh, uh, Kobe was as good great point. as a, you know a great as great as Kobe was you know initiating contact. I think he you know he started that off and and kind of passed down to James Harden uh, initiating contact and drawing fouls and stuff like that. But the way that James Harden does it and gets to the line, I think ten a game uh, uh, for attempts um, we've never seen. And then. James Harden with the ball handling skills. I think that's what separates them slightly against uh, Kobe Bryant. Now, obviously, you told me if I took Kobe or James Harden, I'm taking Kobe. But right. uh, I must say that the juggernaut offensively that James Harden is, it's ridiculous. He's a – you can't put him on the line because he's going to knock down shots. Right. You can't, you know, lay off on him because that step back three, one day in the Toyota Center, they're going to create a statue up for that one, the step back three. Yeah. I mean, there's there's no defense for that. You cannot offset that. The brother is going left hand, right hand, and then stepping back or sidestepping. There, that there's no there's no defense, uh, a defensive scheme or game plan that you can put out there to stop that from James Harden. And what he's done lately, and I think I put on, put on a stat on the social media the other day, he has thirty against every team in the association. Yep, at least sure he's got thirty points against every team in. The National Basketball Association. This guy's phenomenal. Uh, yeah, this this MVP race is tight. I thought Paul George would continue to, um, you know, get hot from his first, you know, first and a half of the season start. Lately, he's tailed off, and it's been Giannis and James Harden. But right. I mean, it's looking like James Harden is going to repeat uh, as MVP right now, um, unless you know Giannis does something miraculous here because. Harden is on a mission. And I say this, the jury's still on him. As great as he is, as a great offensive regular season player, we need to see it in the postseason. Great it's, point. It's kind of like, Pey- like Peyton Manning. Peyton great Manning point. always great. Those years in the Dome, always putting up statistics and numbers, and big numbers. But in the postseason um, with the Colts, it, it never really panned out. So the jury is still on James Harden in the postseason to do it because we know offensively in the regular season, there's probably no better individual regular right. season time 
uh, in the last couple, three years. Yeah, what James Harden is doing is special and sensational. And, you know, earlier in the season, I was critical of his, the 61-point performance he had at MSG because he shot 5 for 20 from three-point range, and he also he, he was 20, he was 22 for 25, and he did 25 free throws. So I was I was a little critical of of that performance because of the inefficiency from three point range and as many free throw attempts that he needed. But this performance right here was amazing because he went 19 for 34 from the field. That's over 50 percent shooting six and scoring 61 points. That was just that flash is flat out special. I mean it was just nothing. There's nothing the Spurs could do with the man. And you're right, it's getting tight with him and Giannis. And you have a lot of people out here that think Giannis should be the MVP because he's doing it on both ends of the floor and he's on the best. He has on the team with the best record in basketball right now. So it's a lot of – it's a very tight race. Me personally, I would give it to Harden right now based on what I've seen. And just because the performance – like you said, we haven't seen a scoring performance from a, a, a from, from someone like this since the 2005-2006 Kobe Bryant. Right. So so you have, you have – which he was robbed of the MVP, by the way. I just got to throw that out there. Yep, Steve Nash got it. Yeah, Steve Nash got it averaging 18 and 10, but – Kobe Bryant averaged 35. Let's just put it like that. So, I mean, he was robbed that year. But either way, um, Harden is is sensational right now. And you make up a great point about people just want to see him do this in the playoffs. We just want to see that extra umph in the playoffs. And we want to see these type of performances. Not necessarily these these type of performances, but we want to see great performances along with the wins in the playoffs that, that cultivate you possibly winning the MVP. Right, and, and and I've never been a huge big on Houston or, or anything like that, but this year I'm big on them because, one, if James Harden plays, he doesn't have to play special like this, but if he can at least get to, like, you know, the magic number that he's been getting all year, the 30s, if right. he can get to 30 or 40, um, I think they still match up with Golden State because I trust him and Chris Paul. Now, if it's James Harden himself, I don't have the utmost faith in that, but if it's James Harden and Chris Paul together, yes. because of the leadership of Chris Paul, I've always said since entering the league in 2004, Chris Paul has been one of the best leaders in the NBA by far. By far. Um, uh, he's a great leader, great orchestrator, a dictator in tempo as a point guard, um, and an excellent right. defender. And you need somebody to kind of offset Clay Thompson and Steph Curry in their backcourt if they were to potentially play Golden State. So, uh, um, it, James Harden just he doesn't have to screw it up I mean just do what you do and at least come down defensively on a defensive stance and at least attempt to play some defense if you do that I think uh, 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 what, uh, the Rockets have an excellent chance to make it far in this in this season and offensively just do what you do and, and hey lately I've seen games in the past where you've gone 2 for 11 from 3 and you let that dishearten you and, you, and he lets that affecting his entire game if you're off do what you've been doing all year get to the line get the attempts going or or get some mid-range or get going into the basket for some layups because we know how excellent he is when he gets to the basket he's gonna draw some contact so if you the shot's not falling get to get the other aspects of your game you got to get going and i think in the past we've seen james harden let just you know the offense yeah. for 11 affect them right and and then the Rockets get blown out. And so right. um, I see a maturity in James Harden. Uh, he is playing – yeah, at least he's playing some defense this year. So I just say, you know, the jury's on you. Don't screw it up. If you're off, get to the line. Uh, get some baskets going into the hoop. Something. You got to see a, a, a scores mentality 
uh, Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant always said, uh, for a scores mentality, when you're off, um, just seeing that ball go through the net can spark something. And, and I think James Harden is that type of score with the elites of all time. You just get to the line. You got to see the ball go through the net. Because one thing we know about James Harden, when you see the ball go through the net, the ocean opens. Oh, man. So. <laughs> when so. You're right. When he's hot, he's hot. I mean, it's, it's no stopping right. him. And the yeah, step there's no the, defense for that. And the, yep. step, the step back three, the step back three has been one of the, one of the most patented moves, and it seems like it seems like as the season goes on, Sebi, he he goes he gets further behind the three point line. You know, yes, he, like, does. He, he like, does. It's like he's getting he's he's getting more confident and more comfortable uh, the the closer he gets to the logo. You know what I mean? So right, the, the right. way the way he's playing right now, I mean, sky's sky's the limit, and I, and it's it's gonna it's gonna be scary for it's gonna, it's a nightmare matchup for opponents come come playoff time. No doubt. You saw some of the, the step backs he was doing against the, the um, Spurs. I yeah. mean, he started off in downtown Houston and then kept on going backwards, going backwards to El Paso. He even hit one <laughs> from the Gulf of Mexico. I think he so, did, I man. mean, I mean, this this brother is unhuman uh, when he's hot. And uh, I, like I said, I mean, there's there's, you know, Clay Thompson hot. There's KD hot. But James Harden hot is something else. It I is, mean, man. And, and yeah. to, to your point about them in the playoffs, I think Chris Paul is a major key in the playoffs when it comes to this Rockets team. I think because he sat out a good a good portion of this season, and because he's healthy, um, he his legs are under him. He's not as he's not as worn down as he was last season. And I feel like he can he, if if James Harden is you know off off a game, or if James Harden isn't hitting as many shots, and he's not hitting the strides that he was doing during the season, then Chris Paul can come and carry the load like he did for right. a strong part of the playoffs last season. He can right. come in and he he's that pit bull, he's that warrior that can that can have that can hold his own as well. That can do it on both sides of the floor and you know you know get everybody involved and and just just make make big time plays and he can be a closer on the team as well. And I, I really I really believe these these playoffs are, are, are Chris Paul's and James Harden's time to shine, man. And and we'll we'll see we'll see how they look. Cause in my opinion, they're the biggest threat to the Warriors if if they were to face each other. And, and, and what what a matchup it would be! I think it would be another seven game series, without a doubt. And this is why I said that you know Rockets are the, the biggest threat to Golden State. I switched that um, from from Oklahoma City to Me Houston too. because uh, the last ten or seven games uh, in before the after the All Star break, the way that they came out and Chris Paul was healthy, I said, okay, Chris Paul is healthy, they're in danger. So, um, and, and you're right. And this is what I, I said. And if I'm Dan Tony, this is what I do. If I'm playing Golden State and I'm D'Antonio this series, I want to get Chris Paul going because I want to get Chris Paul going and let him do ball handling duties and let James Harden play off ball. Um, and one, 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 something that's underrated is, is James Harden playing off ball. We see how great he is, you know, dominating the ball as great as he is, but he can play off ball too. Right. So as great as Chris Paul is, and, and I think he's a first ballot Hall of Famer, mm-hmm. get James Harden going on some screens. Right, mm-hmm. that's another great aspect of his game. Getting some going off some screen off ball, get him going, and let Chris Paul and the other pieces, whether it's Tucker, uh, uh, Dan, uh, Green, or Austin Rivers, let them get going because that's going to booster their confidence. Now, fourth quarter time, when they're keen on Chris Paul and the other pieces, that's when James Harden can let loose. That's right. when you can loose let loose James Harden. So I, I think it's it's imperative that you get Chris Paul going, and um in the postseason and, and guys like James Harden can step up late 
And if they key on him and double him, that's when the three-point shots for Houston come. And they make there, – there's no team in, in the association outside of Golden State that makes more threes and the Bucks, uh, uh, Golden State and Bucks, excuse me, that and, makes more and takes more, <laughs> so and takes more. That's and right. More. So, so it's gonna be interesting with that. I want to switch to Portland here. Yeah. Um, the big news coming out last night: oh, Seth Nurkic, their center is out. Um, this is tough. Uh, Portland quietly, you know, the Rocket, the excuse me, the Oklahoma City Thunder has been derailing as of late, and Portland has been steady all year in that top four seed. And Yusef Nurkic was healthy. That was a big reason why they got swept last year by Anthony Davis. Yusef right. Nurkic, um, not 100%. You know, if you're not 100% and you have no depth inside to face Anthony Davis, you're, you're screwed. So that was huge. Um, and against the Pelicans last year, career highs across the board for Nurkic this year. I haven't seen injury yet. I don't like to see stuff like that, Mike. They're too gruesome for me. Yeah, it was but. graphic, man. It was bad. I, it was one of those. It was. It was. It was on the, along the lines of Paul George and oh. Gordon Hayward. It was. It was. It was bad, man. I, I, yeah, yeah, it was bad. I don't even want to see it again. It was. Yeah, bad. It, it, the, I, I, I wouldn't want to see that. And so, from a basketball standpoint, Portland now, um, I thought that they could make some noise because of Nurkic and because of, um, you know, some of these players that they got, but. If you're just relying on the greatness of Damian Lillard, who's big time, and and CJ McCollum, they might be expecting an early round exit again. Um, this to definitely is going to be tough for them in a very wild, wild Western Conference. Yeah, I think yeah, yeah, you you make a great point about that. I think I think it also depends on the matchup and who who it is they have to go against. I think I think last year last year that was just a, that was even with Nurkic in the lineup last year. That would that would have been a terrible match. That was just a terrible all around matchup for the for the uh, Trailblazers because you have a, you already know what Anthony Davis is going to bring to the table. But when you have Drew Holiday going for forty points as well, I mean, how are you supposed to beat that team when Drew Holiday and Anthony Davis are both putting up thirties and forties? Like that, and just, that's what was interesting last year. Drew Holiday outplayed literally. Yeah. he would be a great two way player, but. Offensively, he outplayed Lillard offensively and CJ McCollum. That exactly. was exactly it, it was a terrible. So I think it all, I think I think even without Nurkic, it depends on the matchup and who they have to play against. They could possibly still get out the first round, but past that, I don't I don't really see much. I don't really see much, them making much noise after that. Uh, depending on the matchup with that as well, because you know you need that big man that you can throw it in the paint when shots aren't going down. And Nurkic was that guy for you. He can hit the mid range jump shot for you. He can create create from the inside with the, with his passing. Along with the jump hook shot, and uh, so, so yeah, you're right. That that is a big loss for them. And there's no way he's coming back this season. He's done for the year, and and he'll be back he's next year. year. But yeah, you're right. That was a major loss. That was a graphic, gruesome injury. It's tough to see him go through that because of him missing last last year's playoffs. And uh, we that mean that just means that Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum are gonna have to put on one of those playoff runs and put up those, put up those yeah, type yeah. performances. So we'll we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, definitely. That means a lot of um, contributions from Aminu, Harkless, guys off the bench that their roles are different now because, of course, Yusef Nurkic is out. The Blazers won yesterday on a thriller in double overtime, uh, of course, behind the heroics of Damian Lillard and Mm -hmm. CJ McCollum. Um, And they also clinched a playoff spot in the Western Conference. But moving on forward, it's going to be interesting to see where they will land and what seating they'll be because as it stands right now, 
they would play the Jazz, and I don't think that's a great matchup right. for them. Yeah, it probably, it probably isn't it, that uh, that that great of a matchup, especially with the size of Rudy Gobert in the paint. Uh, shots you're gonna have to knock down shots against Utah. Yeah, whenever you're playing Utah, uh, Rudy Gobert just makes it so tough for you in the paint that if you're not drawing fouls, it's hard for you to get easy baskets. So if you're not knocking down shots against Utah, you you, you could be in for a long series and a long night. So you're right. That could that could both be a bad matchup without Nurkic, and um and uh yeah and Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum and the others would definitely have to bring their A game. Definitely. Um, now I I know from seeding five to seeding eight in the Western Conference is just a game or a game and right. a half away, but the Oklahoma City Thunder went from the third seed yep. to the eighth seed, and they have just not looked the same team. Russell Westbrook, um, he's a fantastic player. I think he's gonna be a a, a first ballot Hall of Famer. Anytime you can have three seasons like Oscar Robinson, Oscar Robinson's season hasn't been done in the last 50 years and you do that three consecutive years. Yeah. You're, you're, you're going somewhere in Springfield, right. Ohio, Without <laughs> Springfield, Illinois, excuse me, <clears throat> but his shooting percentage this year has been down a lot of uh, career lows in shooting percentage, three point percentage, uh, even the free throw line. He's been missing some crucial free throws and they've been relying on Paul George who hasn't been himself the same. All of a sudden Oklahoma city at the eight seed are looking at, a uh, number uh potential Golden State and Oklahoma City matchup or either a Denver and Oklahoma City matchup depending on who finishes first there because the one seed hasn't been wrapped up yet in the Western Conference. That's that uh that wh- Oklahoma City Billy Donovan what wh- what do you say to your team? Well, you got to you have to finish strong. I, I, to be honest with you the, these stretches in the 82 game season happen where you, where you look bad and you look like you just can't buy a shot. Because you saw Paul George and Russell Westbrook missed 20 shots in the first half yesterday, combined. And it, it was like, you, mm-hmm. do you have those stretches in the season, especially when you've been on fire as much as Paul George has been all season? But their, their recent slippage and um, from the th- from the three seed to the eight seed is part of the reason why I've, t- I've taken Paul George out of the MVP conversation. And Paul George is my MVP for, for quite some time for the majority of the season. And the, the and these this last little run here has definitely made it between straight up Harden and Giannis, and they they're on the cusp of if they continue this 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 bad shooting and this terrible streak, they're on the cusp of not making the playoffs at all. And and it's one of the one right. of the situations where we knew that you would possibly have to face a Denver or a Golden State in order to get to the finals, but you wanted to avoid them and both both of them in the first round. And and the fact that you're an eighth mm-hmm. seed and you could possibly be a seventh seed means you might have to face one of those teams in the first round. Against Denver, you have a great chance because you still have a, a, a top-heavy team. You still have a great basketball team that can match up against experience. Denver. But Golden State, you don't want to make face them in the first round because, in my opinion, Stevie, Golden State is getting ready to have a field day in the playoffs. All this noise about Golden State and what they're and, and oh they're slipping and oh they they might not get to the finals and they're having bad. Run. Yeah, they look bad right now because it's the regular season. Like I said, if there's ever a team that can turn on the switch in the playoffs, it's the Golden State Warriors because of their matchups and because of who they have and because of their championship DNA. They just know when it's go time and when it's time to to, to get busy and it's time to make things happen. They know how to turn that switch on and they they know how to handle their business. So that's not a matchup you want to have in the first round because that's their first first victim ahead to a a third straight championship. So you don't want you want to definitely get a six 
a sixteen at at lowest. If you're Oklahoma City, definitely higher higher up if, if you can. But you don't want to face Golden State in the first round, without question. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt, definitely there. And all of the NBA action throughout this week, next week, the following week, leading into the playoffs and leading to the finals. There's no tandem in the sports industry to keep you caught up than myself and Michael Gray and all of the action here in the Sebi Podcast Show. Folks, when we come back, we'll get into some NFL action and some NBA draft talk. When we come back live here from WNSC Radio, this is the Sebi Podcast Show, streaming only here on WNSC Radio. Hello, my name is Ian Saunders with Saunders Property Group, powered by Home Expo Realty. I'm a sponsor, proud sponsor, and a big fan of the SEBI podcast show. Make sure you tune in. Just wanted to share uh, a few nuggets with you about the Central Florida real estate market. Uh, Population growth is about 7%, which is among the top in the country, especially here in Central Florida. And I got news for you. If you're a renter, average rent is about $1,600 a month. What if I told you you can purchase a home, a $200,000 home, and pay less than that? Well, we can show you how. Uh, just want to be sure that you guys understand that at this point, interest rates have dropped to a 10-month low, so that means the money is cheap and you get more bang for your buck. So if you're looking to learn more, definitely touch bases with me. Definitely tune in to Sebi Podcast Show. And in fact, hashtag Sebi Podcast Show, and I'll help you get lender credits, pay off your closing costs. Hey, thanks for your time. Have a good one. Welcome goes you guys back here in the Sebi Podcast Show, streaming only here on WNSC Radio. Our last and final segment here today, guys, is proud and sponsored by Revamp Barbershop. Revamp Barbershop, the official partner and sponsor of the Sebi Podcast Show, you know, located on the campus of University of Central Florida. Ricky, the barber, Chandler, and the entire gang has invited the community, whether you're a student, whether you're just a person or a body, Anybody, wherever you're at, fades, haircuts, beards, lineups, whatever you need, Revamp Barbershop is the place that can revamp yourself. Check them out and oh, tell them Sebi sent you. Live here from the Sebi Podcast Show. In our segment today, Mike, Rob Gronkowski, um, I think that we can acknowledge that in the last nine, ten seasons, nobody from a talent perspective, forget wide receiver. I don't think there's been a more dominant force. Um, as a pass catcher in the NFL. This guy, you could split him out wide. You could put him in the nine gap as a tight end. Um, he's excellent as a blocker. A lot of people don't – don't. that's the probably the, the under mm-hmm. part of this game. He's an excellent blocker at 265, 270. And then he's a mismatch at 6'8". Just throw it up there. Um, you know, high point the ball in the red zone, an excellent red zone target, split him out wide versus, you know, I've always said he's too fast for defensive linemen. Hmm. He's too fast for linebackers. He's too big for safeties. And if you're going to put a corner on him, you had better put an elite corner on him because he even has 
the speed to outrun some corners. So, I mean, just a mismatch nightmare. Rob Gronkowski is retiring, um, announcing his retirement. Um, Rob Gronkowski, it, I know that his career is over, but I expect him to be in an elite class with Gale Sayers and Jim Brown as the only two players to never play in their 30s and be first round and first ballot Hall of Famers. That's let me say that again for you, Mike, so you can let that let that sink in. <laughs> He's gonna join Gale Sayers, and I'm I'm expecting this. He's gonna join Gale Sayers and Jim Brown. Now that's that's elite company right there. Oh man, as the only two players to never play in their 30s and be a first ballot pro football Hall of Famer in Canton, Ohio. That's that, that's that that's crazy. That that that's, that's crazy. And Rob Gronkowski, three time Super Bowl champion. Uh, four-time All-Pro tight end, five-time Pro Bowler. <clears throat> is he the best tight end of all time? I, 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 at least he's been the best tight end of our modern generation, no doubt. But is he of all time? He's the best tight end of this modern generation, like you just said. But I think based on body of work and the fact that he didn't play in his 30s and there's other tight ends like, like a Kellen Winslow Sr., a Tony Gonzalez, right. a, tight ends like that. Antonio Gates. An- Antonio Gates. I can't. I can't put him as the best tight end of all time. I can't do it because that'd be disrespectful to the greats that have that have been doing this. And so Antonio Gates is still playing football. He is. You know yeah. what I mean? So, and we all know how special he's been throughout his entire career. Um, Kellen Winslow Senior. I remember a game. I, I, a long time ago, I remember a game watching. He had literally get he had to literally get carried off the field. Like this brother was special. Like he he gave it all. He gave every he gave everything he had on the field. No, don't get me wrong. Rod Gronkowski is definitely a top four, top top four, top five tight end of all time. Maybe even top three, depending on how depending on where you want to rank him. But I I wouldn't call him the best just yet. But that's some elite company that I just named. So you not being the best is not a knock on your career. Like you said, he's one of the he's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer without question. That's not that's not even a debate. He's going to be first ballot. He's one of he's one of the best tight ends ever. He's the best tight end of this modern era, and so so yeah 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 that definitely not a slight on him. He 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 will go down as one of the greatest one of the greatest tight ends to ever play football. Yes, and, and I actually unfortunately as a Pats fan, I'm gonna have to agree with you with that. Um, it's crazy because you see a guy like Jason Witten, 36, come away from the broadcast booth, he comes back. Um, right. Jason Witten. Look at his totality and his body of work in his career. Exactly. That's somebody that you can put in elite classes, one of the best of all time. And you got to think of what he had to work with going from, you know, pedestrian quarterbacks and then going to Tony Romo and now Dak Prescott. Now right. I know he's back so he can, you know, come back because he has so much love for the game. And maybe he can get those numbers to perhaps climb up the ladder and be one of the all-time greats. So Jason Whitten has to be in that discussion too. But we look at Tony Gonzalez, and this is the one that I think he is the right now the best of all time. Dallas right. Clark has a Dallas Clark of the Colts too. We know how big time he was with Peyton Manning too, but we okay. have to understand Peyton Manning was his quarterback, and he doesn't have the statistical numbers that Rob and, and Tony and Gates and all these guys do. But Tony Gonzalez, um, he has to be probably the best chief of all time. I mean, uh, right. I, I can't I can't think of any other great chiefs than him outside of maybe, you know, uh, Pat Mahomes and, and Tyreek Hill may have something to say about that when their career is over. But, when career is um, over, right. But, but Tony Gonzalez, he is, you know, just class personified. I mean, this guy just, the way that he works, his work ethic, the way that he goes game in and game out without no quarterbacks. I mean, what quarterback from the Chiefs can we think about? And he did that. 
He's got 15,000 career receiving yards. So right. only Rob Gronkowski, 7,000. Um, he's got over 110 touchdowns as a tight end. Now, we know Antonio Gates has surpassed that. Um, he has the most now. Uh, and, and Rob Gronkowski only has 79 because Rob didn't play through his 30. So that, oh, you have to take consider, a lot of consideration with that. I know that he played his last years with Matt Ryan in that right. in Atlanta and they made it to Super Bowl. That, that helps a little bit. Um, but you're telling me Matt Ryan is his best quarterback and this guy it has 110 touchdowns for a tight end. So, yeah, I, I think Gronk, it may be in the Mount Rushmore's of all time in tight ends. If you want to look at your top three, top four, I would put him there. He's been the best in the modern era. Um, and, and I think he's kind of paved the way for these new age tight ends. These Greg Kittles, these, uh, what's his name? The, uh, Kelsey. Big Travis Kelsey, Travis Kelsey, David Njoku. David Njoku. He's paved the way for these pass catching tight ends that are versatile now. They, they can catch and they can block. No, now some of these are probably not the blocker that Gronk is, but um, just the to- total package that he is. Jason Witten is an excellent blocker as well. So, without, without question, you you brought up a great point about his blocking. His blocking was very underrated last mm-hmm. season. He didn't catch as catch as many passes as we become accustomed to seeing throughout his career. But his blocking was on point. I mean, you got to realize this this Patriots running game led everything led everything for them offensively. This, this, the Patriots running game was the reason that Tom Brady was able to, you know, be uh, be as successful as he was with the play action and, and Rob, get Rob Gronkowski open over the middle. Uh, was it because of his grunt? Was it because of his helping with his blocking? And he was he was a, he was a tenacious blocker, and he he was and he was a great he was a great football player all around. Yes, he does his partying in the offseason. He enjoys himself. He enjoys his life. But when it came down to work, playing for playing for Coach Bill Belichick. He was. He came. He showed up to work, and outside of injuries, there's never there's not really many knocks on knocks on his career. You know, you can't really knock him for the injuries and stuff because it was only certain ways because of the NFL rules that players could hit him and certain ways that that the players could touch him. So you couldn't hit him. You didn't want to hit him high because you want to get concussed or anything. But so you hit him low. But when you hit him low, he gets hurt. So it was it was it was it was always a combination of that with Rob Gronkowski. But you know, all in all, a great career, and I was. I'm proud, I'm proud of his the strides that he made, and um, I wish him all the success in life after football. Right, and indeed, and and and, and don't get me wrong. If Rob Gronkowski was healthy, he would oh, play yeah. through his thirties, and he was the projection of his career was projecting to be the ever. greatest tight end of all time to ever play. Because if you look at it right now, through nine seasons, he has seventy nine touchdowns. Tony Gates didn't do that. Tony Gonzalez didn't do that. Jason Witten didn't do that. Dallas right. Clark has never done that. John right. Dallas Clark's not even close. So, I mean, the way that he's trajectory through eight and nine seasons, he already had 79. So, if, I mean, you're looking at the pattern, he would blister, obliterate a lot of numbers that some of these tight ends already have. And, oh, he's entering exactly. the time of his career. The only problem was he was, he was dealing back with injuries. Four back injuries, right. uh, neck injuries. I mean, he was so big that, you know, safeties, had and linebackers were taught to hit him low because if you try to hit him hard, we've seen a lot of games, Mike. I know you have too, where guys have gone high to try to tackle Rob Gronkowski and he hits him with a mean stiff arm, and they just they fly yep. five yards away. I mean, this man stiff arm. He, if you want to put Tom Brady's statue outside of Foxville, you got to put Gronk's stiff arm outside of Foxville too. That 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 thing was me. Uh, so teams were taught to hit him low. So without the injuries. The trajectory was Rob Gronkowski should have been the greatest tight end of all time. 
Def- on that. Definitely. Um, you said Rob Gronkowski should have been what? One, one more time. Well, it should have been the greatest tight end. Oh, it's healthy without question. Healthy, if healthy, and he and he played. Uh, let's say he played five more years. If he played five more years, putting up the numbers that he was putting up, when, when we, we would consider him the best tight end in football. I think I think he definitely would have been the best tight end ever, without question, because he he would have had at least a few more rings. Tom, he would he would have helped Tom Brady get get a few more rings, <laughs> and um, and, and we wouldn't and it, it almost wouldn't even be a debate because. Even after Tom Brady is gone, no matter who your quarterback is, you just throw it up to Gronkowski, and you have a you you have a matchup problem. So he was a match like you said, he was a matchup problem for everybody. You could spread him outside, inside, and he was just very versatile, man. He could do it all on the football field from the tight end perspective, and you know he helped, he helped pave the way for a lot of these young guys, and and and, and definitely he, he he could have been the greatest all time had he had he had played longer, but you know we can't give him that now right now. Yeah, no, no doubt, doubt, no doubt there. And we want to go ahead and shift, shift gears here to the NBA. The NBA lottery is coming up. It's not well. We should we say it's it's nowhere near here. But um, we still got to get through March Madness and the NBA workouts and things of that sort. But the way that it's projecting, we see Zion one. I see Morant two. Now people may say RJ, but I see Morant two. I see RJ Barrett three. Um, as a GM, when you're scouting some of these guys, let's say you're in the shoes of the the Bulls or you are the Phoenix Suns or the Knicks. Who's your guy and let's say what position you are and what are you looking at in some of these guys when you evaluate? Uh their their passion for the game, their um their willingness to work and be better. We all know that at 19, 18 years old you don't have everything. You don't have all the best IQ. You don't have uh the best handle. You don't have the best jump shot, but are you willing to work at it? Are you willing to work to become the best player you could possibly be? I want to see that that hunger, that, that tenaciousness in a player. I also want to see um, – I'm also evaluating a lot in this tournament. Uh, this, this tournament yep, right here right. is telling me a lot. This is one of the reasons why I think Aubrey Dawkins' draft stock has gone up because it's not it's not the fact that he put up 32 points. It's the fact that he put up 32 points in the NCAA March Madness tournament against the number one overall seeded Duke team. It just seems like – it seems like right. the moment didn't phase him that one bit. Like he, 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 he it, the right. moment wasn't too big for him. He accepted the challenge, and he was just confident out there. Every single shot he shot with confidence, and he played with confidence. And so I feel like that right there, seeing seeing that type of performance, would make me interested in Aubrey Dawkins. Would make me interested in him and, and seeing what he can do on the NBA level, going against top heavy talent, and also um just just seeing just seeing how your game in college can expand to translate to the NBA game. Because there's a lot of players in, in right. college that excel in college, but don't have don't necessarily have the NBA game for today's type of today's type of game. You know, what I mean? so does your game right. in college translate <laughs> to the NBA? Is one of the top things I'm. And do you? And depending on what I need from you, and depending on how like what I need from you in in um in my team, uh, are you a leader? Do I already have a leader, or do I do, <laughs> do I have a young team like right. the Phoenix Suns who who lack leadership or who could possibly Need, who, who possibly could need a leader, um, so, someone who could, with that fiery mentality that can galvanize the troops. I, I, I see that in a guy like a Grant Williams. Uh, someone, someone, I, I yep, see, I I see that in him a lot. Zion Williamson is a very fiery guy as well, but it's something about Grant Williams that I feel like he's he's one of those guys that can hold brothers accountable. You know what I mean? So I, I definitely I definitely look for that in the, in the type of players. Um, yeah. Here's, here's a guy that's interesting. 
Um, and and I think we forgot to talk about him on the first segment here. Yeah. Jared Culver, big time player, uh, excellent two way player, and I think his trajectory could be an excellent one of those great two way players. Um, he's probably gonna be a lottery pick, maybe in the top ten or outside the top ten, or maybe just in the top ten. And and Daniel Hunter as well. Those are guys, excellent player. They've got the tenacious defensive prowess, and they're also excellent scorers, especially Jared. Um, Jared in particular, um, a gifted scorer and a gifted defender. Um, somebody like that as an evaluator is that well, without question, especially especially if if I'm lacking at the two guard position and and, and, I, and I need to solidify a two guard. Like, um, say for example, if he was to go to the Atlanta Hawks. The Atlanta Hawks have three. Right. Oh, oh, man, they, they have perfect. Trey Young as the point perfect. guard. So if, if you were to have, uh, pair him up with the Jared Culver, oh, man, that, 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 that right there is the future of the Atlanta Hawks and sky's the limit for how good that team could be. Yep, I, I think that um, looking at next year, Atlanta may be one of the more improved teams this year. I think in the second half of the season, Trey Young, he did a lot of interviews. He said that he figured teams out playing them two or three times in. And that's interesting young to guy. hear from a young cat, a, a, a young rookie. He said that his first two times that he played this opponent, he's still trying to figure him out. But in the third and fourth time, I figured them out. I, I want to hear that from my point guard. You pair that up in a backcourt with Jared Culliver, you got your you really for do. the next you decade. Do. So that, that's, if, if that were to be in Atlanta, I think Atlanta would definitely be praising. Quavo would be extra oh, happy about that. <laughs> Uh, there. Um, some other guys maybe to watch out for. Cam Johnson out of uh, right. North Carolina. Um, you you apparently I like do. this Nasir little guy. If if I'm if I'm a GM, you why like would this I like guy this because guy? of his upside, his talent, his 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 athleticism. You know, you know, he doesn't have it all as far as the overall game per se, skill wise. But he, he has certain certain things that you can't teach, and that's size and uh, footwork and ability to move. He can move. He can move quicker than most big men, and his 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 ability to finish at the rim is is second to none. He he's just a he's a he's a big time athlete, and he plays defense. Abby, this guy is special, man. I really enjoy right. watching him play, and he's actually turned it up um, as the season goes on. Like the latter part of the season and this tournament, he's actually been one of the best players on North Carolina's basketball team so far. And mm-hmm. so so he definitely um, he's not scared. He's not afraid of the big moment. And you put him in the right position. I, I'm just a believer in this kid, man. You, if he if he's a, if he goes to a team that has a, a solidified point guard uh, that that can dish him the ball and, and get him going, then I feel like mm-hmm. I feel like this kid, little, little can have a, a, a tremendous career. Definitely there, but he's gonna have to learn to shoot and things like that. His game has expanded a little bit under Ward Williams right. and stuff like that. But nevertheless, myself and Michael Gregg, we keep you on all the action. It doesn't matter if it's football, soccer, NBA, NHL, baseball. Of course, March Madness. Of course, the NFL. Of course, the NBA. There's no better tandem in the business to help you out with that. And for myself and Michael Gregg, we want to say so long for now until next time. Here on the Sebi Podcast Show, streaming only here on WNSC Radio. You've missed some of our recordings or some of our episodes? Have no fear. The Sebi Podcast experience is still here. You can check us out at our website at sebipodcast.info. Again, that is sebipodcast.info for any of our audio segments, 
on Spotify and iTunes, and some of our streaming visuals on our YouTube website and links there at sebipodcast.info. Some cool merch. If you want to DM us and send us all of your email requests, we'll be sure to get them here on the Sebi Podcast experience. And remember, folks, whether you're listening on air or viewing online, Sebi Podcast is wherever you go. And that is the slogan.